This week's sponsor of the Fastest Known Podcast is VJ Shoes. Founded in Finland, VJ has been making performance outdoor running shoes for over 40 years, and now they're finally available in North America. With the best grip on the planet, VJ Shoes have helped the world's best trail runners, sky runners, participants in orienteering, and even obstacle course racers achieve their dreams and win world championships. Listeners can get $40 off of VJ Shoes by going to vjshoesusa.com slash fkt and entering code FKT40 at checkout. All right, we're here in Truckee, California. It's time for the fastest known podcast, Buzz Burrell and Andy Anderson. That voice sounds familiar. Who is that? Do you recognize that voice? I think it's some climber. I'm not just a climber. I've once had a fastest known time. Oh, yeah. Didn't you have the fastest known time on the first flat iron or the third flat iron or something? I did until Buzz Burrell took it from me, Buzz. (laughs) (laughs) Not cool. Well, we're, of course, we're just introduced by the one and only Timmy O'Neill. Thanks very much, Timmy. And we are indeed in Truckee, California, at the home of Andy Anderson. Thanks for hosting us, Andy. Oh, no worries. It's really good to see you, Buzz. Yeah, we have met once before. Where was that? I was on the top of Long's Back yeah. in the day. Back in the day. I was just, I'm not sure what I was doing up there, but you were a Long's Peak Ranger. You were on patrol. Yep. So I was up there on patrol and ran into you guys. Well, let's. I figure you guys were probably running up and down the mountain or something. We were, I literally <laughs> don't remember what the occasion was, but Long's Peak is a fantastic mountain. No real easy route, but it's climbed a lot. And indeed, you still have the FKT on Long's Peak. I do. Which is kind of exciting. It's a fun <laughs> mountain. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> oh, good, good. And so. the, the story I find very interesting because, of course, Chris Reveley. He's a great guy. <laughs> he's a great guy, a friend of mine. But his FKT stood for 33 years. That's longer than Bob Beeman's long jump in Mexico City. <laughs> yeah. 33 years. It is. It's a long time. It is. For sure. So Chris did it up and back in 204. And interestingly, he did not have the fastest ascent. Right. He got his round trip which no one could touch for a long time on the blazing descent. Yeah, it was he's I Chris and I became friends uh, while I was working at Estes as well and um he was telling me stories about coming down and he said it just felt totally out of control. It was amazing and He's like, I'm never going to do that again. Oh, he said that? <laughs> I don't remember if he did, but I remember he and Roger Briggs and I were talking because he mm-hmm. and Roger would go back and forth with the FKT on oh, Longs. Yes. And um, we were all talking about how crazy the descent is sometimes. And uh, I can't remember if it was Chris or Roger who was like, yeah, that descending that stuff, going up's fine, but coming down that fast, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> going up is a pure cardiovascular test. Yep. Coming down, well, also the route. Yes. So when Chris told me in person, I asked him about this, and he said, Buzz, I knew every rock on the mountain. Right. He was a Long Peak Ranger. You were a Long Peak Ranger, so the same is true of you, I imagine. Yes. Yeah, it's not a... Long's Peak doesn't have a a set route to the top in terms of the FKT on it. It's And you're not restricted to... There's lots of old trails and old shortcut routes that are that people still use for that. And so piecing together the ones that work for you is half the challenge. Right, Um, right. You have to know the route. Yes. Well, let's touch on that for a second because ethics are very important, of course. And you you work for the National Park Service, and I never cut switchbacks. We don't like to see people cut switchbacks. But this is a different case 
because the Ranger route, as I call it, is not an illegal route. No. It is totally on. During rescues, it is the route that people take because it's uh, shorter and faster. And the lower part, at least, was the old cable, the old telegraph line up to that weird little so-called cabin hotel up in the Boulder Field. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, and a lot of it still actually follows that that telegraph line for much of that ascent route. But yeah, and there's still... There's still pieces of that old trail in there and pieces of the old Longs Peak Trail are in there. And then, you know, the there's a lot of old trail and still used trail that gets involved in that route. And so it is a little more flexible, I guess, than than other, other places. Right. Um, well, it's key. I really wanted to bring this up because... It's important to, if you're going to do an FKT or not, particularly if you're not, stay on the trail. Mm-hmm. I mean, and we have all our environmentalists. We have to protect the resource. But this is a particular case. Well, this route is an old trail, and it is totally legal to use this old trail, yep. even though it's not the officially designated trail. And it's definitely not the easiest way up either. <laughs> it's it's the the new trail is definitely a a more enjoyable experience for mm. the vast majority of people it's it's a little bit longer obviously but it's a much you get better views you get better better exposure and and the trail is significantly better the the old trails and, and routes are <laughs> they're shorter but significantly <laughs> steeper and yeah. and rockier and harder yeah when but, you're coming down yeah. like, well timmy just left the room and uh he had the FKT in the first flat iron mm-hmm. outside of Boulder, as he noted, until I got it. And we were having a little event there, and he he took a he took a face plant coming down the trail. <laughs> Interestingly enough, you're probably not going to get hurt on the scrambling part because <laughs> you're you're alert, you're on. But if you catch a toe cooking down the trail, yeah, that happens to me all the time too. It it's, does. Yeah, my brother, <laughs> my brother's a. a uh, long distance runner as well, and we run a lot together. He lives about a mile away from me here, and uh, he likes to run a lot of longer things like Tour de Giants and stuff like that. But uh, <laughs> we'll be out running, and I'll trip over. We like to joke line of latitude or something, and uh, he's always like, "I don't see how you can not fall off a mountain when you're doing stuff scrambling and like longs or whatever those peaks are." But you trip when we run all the time. I'm like, yeah. We're more focused when there's when right. you involve all four appendages. Interesting. Good point. So, so. Longs is uh, the northernmost 14er in Colorado, and it's technical. So the route doesn't go through the keyhole. It goes what I call the cables route. Officially, it's called the North Face now. Yep. They pulled the cables in 1973. What's, what would you rate that, like 5-2 or something? Yes, there might be a move of five four on there mm-hmm. at some point, but it's it's not um, it's not very long. The the more technical part isn't particularly long. Um, it's actually a really fun rock climb. Uh, it's a great introduction to mountaineering, mm-hmm. um, and they've left all the old bolts that that sustained that that held the cables up are still there and they're not bolts like you would think of as typical rock climbing bolts. These are they're big like, eye bolts. Yeah. They're like stick a foot out of the rock and you can stick your fist through the bolt hole almost. Right. Um, so if people want to do a rope climb up the so-called north face, there's 
great anchors. There are. I mean, you, they're too far spread apart to be, you know, protection for while you're climbing. You still have to place gear, you know, bring your own traditional gear. But they are fun to incorporate into some of your anchors for the pitches. Right. Uh-huh. So Chris did uh, did it in two hours, four minutes, way, way back. 1978, I think. 78. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> Chris, uh, I'll get that in a second. Then in 2011, um, you went uh, down a little bit to two hours, two minutes. Yep. But then the next year, you really got it down under two hours and one hour, 56 minutes. And no one's come close. No, <laughs> I mean, Literally, no one's come close to that. I'm sure they will. <laughs> well, okay. Look forward to seeing that. Now, Chris was an avid mountaineer climber. He did, you know, the south face of Aconcagua during yep. this era, which is super serious. Yes. Uh, but he also won Pikes Peak Marathon. Yep. How about you? When you did this, I hadn't heard your name. Are you an <laughs> avid runner? I mean, what, what's up with that? Um, yep. I, I love to run. I love to climb. Um, it's really fun to combine the two. Uh, but yes, I've been a runner since... <laughs> since about seventh grade, um, I guess I started running before that because my mom would jog down. We lived on a gravel road when I was a kid, and my mom would would uh, run out the road to what we called the Naughty Tree, which about was about half mile down the road, and then what run back to our house, that? Tennessee. Ah. And so when I was a kid, like in elementary school, I would run with her sometimes, and that was really fun. But then uh, in high school and junior high, the school I went to, you had to play a competitive sport. And so I think in seventh grade, I went out for the football team. They were like, hmm, you're a little... Um, Scrawny. Yeah. We need a manager. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, well, maybe not. And then I think I got cut from the tennis team, the basketball team, the soccer team, the baseball team. The <laughs> I got cut from a lot of teams. And finally, my, my, uh, one of my parents' friends was the wrestling coach. Uh, my dad was a wrestling coach and a baseball coach and a football coach in for a small college in Tennessee for a while. And one of his friends was the wrestling coach at my school. He was also the cross-country coach in the fall. And he's like, yeah, Andy should try cross-country. I was like, okay. So started running. And nice. uh, so that was back in 89. And I've been running ever since. I ran competitively in college and high school. And oh. finally found a, a sport that I was okay at. Okay. <laughs> well, classic runner style. You understated it. That's that's how it goes, um, and it's very egalitarian. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you're not have certain physical traits, some of these other sports can be hard. But running is egalitarian. If you practice, you will get better. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's a sport that hard work pays off at, and and it's a sport that almost anyone can do. Like you just put shoes on and put one foot in front of the other, and it's fun. Um, and you don't have to be fast or go long or you just can get out there and enjoy it. Right. Right. Well, the you had a you had a quite a couple of years there, 2011, <laughs> 2012, but then a mere what is it here? 10 day, 2 weeks. 2 weeks <clears throat> after Longspeak, you went up on the Grand. Now yep. this gets interesting. Because the best mountain runner of the generation, <laughs> Killian Jornet, on a U.S. tour, had gone up and set the FKT <coughs> on the Grand. Yep. Just, you know, a couple of days. Yep. You know, just 10 days before you. Yep. 
Now, were you a little peeved by this? Were you kind of going, hmm, this is our mountain? No, not at all. Um, (laughs) I mean... It, I wouldn't say peeved is the right word. Certainly, it's it's fun to be like, oh man, we gotta we gotta stand up and like try to get that back in the, in the states. Um, we gotta give it a shot. But it's more of like just friendly competition. It's more of that fun fun competition versus like it's more of like ah oh, man, that was really cool. But we can totally get it back. Um, so, but yeah, it, it was fun. And and I was actually I was planning on going up there. Uh, before I even knew he was there and ah. giving it a shot. So, ah. it was, so it, was, it was just coincidence. It was total coincidence okay. that we both happened to do it within days of each other. <laughs> okay, good. So. That was, it was thought that he uh, cut a few switchbacks, you know, Euro style. It's kind of right. it's Euro style, but it's not American style. No, here, certainly not up there. No. Here you know, we have Forest Service permits. We have National Park Service. There's a lot of trail maintenance, things like that, and so... To stay on trail is part of our ethic, which it really isn't over there. Right. And so I believe that he was using a little more Euro style, which is fair over there, but you were not, that you no. stayed on the trail. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, uh, I know the route that he came down, because um, I've worked in the Tetons as well ah. um, as, a, as a ranger up there, or I volunteered as a climbing ranger there um, for three summers um, in the early 2000s. And... Um, so that that's a route that people often end up accidentally taking or something like that. And I'm pretty sure that, like, well, one, I I know that trail route fairly well and, and was planning on staying on the trail, and, and that's just the way I roll there. Um, and that's, for me, important. Um, but I'm also pretty sure if I'd tried to go down the route he did, I would have been way slower. Oh, really? Because <laughs> it's steep and brushy and, like, I just it's faster for me to be on the trail running than it is to, like, be tumbling down that stuff. So that was, that really wasn't a factor at all, then? Uh, the, the which route, the choice? No, of I route. don't think so. I think, you know, maybe for him that would have been faster for him. But for me, like, the trail would have been faster than the route he took. Gotcha. So. Again, it goes back to what's that's what's one of the cool things about FKTs is they're so person dependent. It's like what might be a, the right route for me to do is is not the right route for someone else to do. Um, you know, a friend of mine who recently got the, I guess a couple of years ago now got the FKT on Half Dome. Um, you know, the one before that was from I think Dean Potter had it, right. and he went. He did and, a different route. Yeah, he soloed Snake Dyke. <laughs> which is it's five seven, but it's really exposed and really it's thin. really tenuous. There's not a lot of positive holds on it. The first pitch is thin. Yeah, and and my friend Nick went up there and he climbed the route with his partner on a rope and I did it again and it's like I don't want to solo that. I'm just gonna have to run faster the other route and that worked for him, you know. So even though it's a different route, it's still the FKT up that mountain. He took the cool. uh, went up the trail to the cables mm-hmm. and did the, yep. the backside of the cables. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he was just like, I just got to run harder because I'm not comfortable soloing that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas for Dean, you know, he was comfortable soloing that. Five maybe seven not. was yeah casual. Yeah. Interesting. So. Interesting. Well, the the Grand had that remarkable history. They're so similar in a certain sense, aren't they? Like you said, the cables who would on longs after they pulled the cables off. 
has a few moves of five four, which is kind of greasy mm-hmm. moves. It's kind of that slabby granite, but it's got good cracks and positive holds. It's it's Unless nice. Unless they're filled with ice. Unless they're filled with ice, but that is not the time to do the FKT. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, you did it in August. Exactly. Yeah, it was dry. In June. It's like it's snow. It's I mean, I've snow. heard of people skiing it in June. But yeah. Yeah. Now the Grand is very similar mm-hmm. because Owen Spalding, I think, is also about five four. Yep, and it's, it's also got that north face aspect. It can be wet in those those two parallel cracks there. Yep. So you kind of have a uh, a forte here. <laughs> I think that it's. Uh... You know, I'm a pretty mediocre runner and a pretty mediocre climber, but not a lot of people do both. So there you go. Mediocre turns out okay. <laughs> mediocre turns out okay. Well, the Grand, of course, super iconic. It is. I mean, it's, it's a like, fun mountain. It's super fun, and some people do not realize that Gannett is actually the highest in Wyoming. Yep. And Grand is the second highest, but Gannett's this schlep. Yeah. I mean, Gannett's got a big trail run just to get to the base of it. Oh yeah. While the Grand Teton just cranks. You go to Lupine Meadows and you're just boom, you're going up. Yep. It's good. Yeah, it's there's a lot of relief there. <laughs> a lot of relief. <laughs> the history of that is very cool. It is. It's totally fun. And that record stood for twenty nine years. <laughs> yeah, twenty nine years, Bryce Thatcher until Killian. And then just uh two week no, ten days after that, you. Yep. Boom, boom. That one was 29. Yeah, well, so (laughs) funny. Uh, (laughs) um, Yeah, Bryce's record was from, what, 82? Yeah, 83. 83, right. Bryce did it in three hours, six minutes. Very fast in 83, very fast. And Killian was 2.54, which is, you know, that's only 12 minutes down in uh, 2012. And you did it 59 seconds faster. Yeah. Uh, and also in 2012. Yep. The, the funny thing is, so when I was volunteering there, I volunteered as a climbing ranger at Jenny Lake from for summer of 2000, 2001, 2002. And that was the time when um, Rolo, Rolo Garibaldi... Uh, he, he did a, the Grand Traverse. Yeah, he did the Grand Traverse oh. and, and took that record from Alex Lowe. And... Um, and somehow I heard somewhere that he'd done the grand in 259. Um, and I was like, oh man, I gotta try that. I gotta try it. So I, I tried it uh, a whole bunch and I got it down to like 301 wow. that, during that time and was like, oh, well, that's, that's the pro. Hats off to you. That's great. Uh, nice job. And that's impressive. And it's like, ah, I guess. Oh, well, I'll come back someday and try it again. Um, Almost then, 10 years later. Well, so, yeah, in that interim, I was at a friend's house who was also a Jenny Lake Ranger and was talking to him about the record on the Grand. I was like, yeah, I can't believe Rollo did it in 259. That's so fast. And he was like, Rollo never did that in 259? What are you talking <laughs> about, Andy? <laughs> and I was like, really? I thought that was the record. And he was like, no, no, no. It's, it's Bryce's record. And he was like, how fast did you do it? I was like, kind of like 301 or something. He's like, oh, no, that would have been the record. And I was like, oh, I can't tell anybody that because it's like four years after the facts now. I'll just have to go back someday and try it again. Wow. <laughs> um, wow. So then, yeah. Then, then I came back and was fortunate enough to be a little bit faster in my older age. Interesting. So. Interesting. So so similar. So similar. Yeah. A little higher, a little longer, because lungs, like everything in Colorado, starts at a pretty right. high elevation. And Lupine Meadows is right down there in Jackson Hole. Yep. 
But the uh, technical part is, is kind of similar in a way, I think. It is. It is. There's a lot of – it's a long approach to a short bit of technical climbing and then a long descent. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. Well, speak – just I, – I forgot about that. The Grand Traverse, you must have thought of that. I have. I've tried it um, oh, and have. never been successful. Did so, do you get his time or to do it? Or? No, to so I've. Well, you have to a, solve the North Ridge, which is okay. It's the pitch getting into the North Ridge that's terrifying. Oh, Gunsight Notch. Yeah, oh. there's a five se- a steep five seven pitch out of Gunsight Notch that is just super scary <laughs> for me, um, and I've never been comfortable soloing it. I so. see. So the North Ridge itself, you're okay on. The North Ridge itself is really positive and has has good holds, and I knew it fairly well. Um, it's not a walk in the park, you know, it's, it's five, five, seven, five, eight. Um, but it's, it's, uh, the rock is more solid and, and, um, it's less, uh, less scary to me than that pitch out of gunsight notch. Oh, and I, I so I'd get there and be like, okay, no, not today. I'm going back down. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, so you, you do Tewanot and Owens and those two irritating mm-hmm. prongs in between the two east prongs. Yep, and yep. Else. Those are so irritating. Yep. You can really mess those up easily. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> I've done that too. Yeah. <laughs> We're all raising our hands. Yeah, I'll mess that up. And then you get all the way to the gunsight notch and then just go down the couloir and... Yep. Yeah. Wow. And escape. Well, that's good. Listeners, you heard it right here. Andy Anderson, climbing ranger, FKTs all over backs off things regularly if it doesn't feel right. Uh, I can, can't count the number of things I've backed off, Buzz. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. like for everything I've been successful at, I've backed off, well, the successes I've backed off numerous times before I get them because everything has to be perfect. Right. Like you can't, if you're going for something like that, everything has to be absolutely perfect because there is like, if the weather comes in, it's not like you're carrying stuff. Yeah. Um, so if it, like, I'd be running up and be like, oh, there's a little cloud in the sky. Oh, guess I'm turning around now. <laughs> um, or whatever. Um, and, and you've got to feel right. And the, you're like, I get to the base of the north, uh, north face on, the, on um, Long's Peak. The cables are out. I'm like, oh, there's a little bit of ice in the crack. I guess I'll go back down. Um, you know, so it all has to line up perfectly. But yeah, I've, I've backed off a ton of stuff. Okay, good. good. <laughs> I've been uh, last. Let's see. I've been trying to run up the Matterhorn in Europe for the last like five years. You've gone over every year for five years. No, I went. I've been three out of the five years, and every time I've really? I've made it, I haven't even made the it Hornley, like halfway up Hornley Ridge no um, the oh, from Cormier yeah from Cormier the Killian route the Killian route yep oh yeah the, what's it called the Lions are at or something yeah. like that yeah interesting um, Cresta de Leon but uh, but yeah backed off that every time I've been just because of conditions um, it seems like every time I go over there they get a August snowstorm <laughs> and yeah it's not Snow is not particularly conducive to running up mountains. It's right. fun, but right. doesn't make running up mountains better. You, you have to allocate time. Time is not something we got, particularly as Americans, if I may editorialize. You know, we see other countries, they take these nice, big, long vacations, but you know, we have our one- to two-week vacation time. I've never climbed Mont Blanc. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> the tram at the base, all ready to go. And it's, it's raining. You say, oops, turn around, yeah. slump your gear back. 
Yeah. And then I'm, I'm over there for a few days. Right. The window is so short. Right. If it rains, done, over, oops. Yeah, and I think that's actually one of the things that I don't know if people realize about a lot of these FKTs. I, I can just think of numerous ones that they take months. Like, mm. you've got to have a whole season to be like, okay, well, I'm going to try for the FKT on whatever this summer, and but I'm going to be ready to do it at any given time over the course of several months because you got to wait for the conditions to be right. And, you know, fortunately, I, I do have time for stuff on a regular basis, but, you know, it doesn't mean I can move to Europe for the summer. So <laughs> that'd be nice, though. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a little different. But I think that's... that's um, one of the reasons that I was so impressed with Killian's um, ascent on the Grand, too, is because he... Just showed up. Just showed up, and he didn't have that time, and, you know, so... Conversely, he really practiced the Matterhorn. Right. He practiced yes. that massively, and he paid respect to Bruno Munoz, yep. the, 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 his predecessor, of course, an epic yeah. man. Uh, wow. Yeah, and that's like... Yeah, and I think that's one of the things it takes is to have that time in an area to learn the route, to learn the, the conditions, to learn how what works for you, and then be able to wait for the right time to do it. And you try it a whole bunch before you get it right. <laughs> try it a whole bunch. <laughs> so, I have a trivia question for you. Sure. Who held the FKT and the Grand before Bryce? Oh, um, Bryce and... Uh, there was uh, another gentleman that he and Bryce went back and forth for a few years with the FKT, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Jock Glidden. Yes. Yeah, and they would go back and forth and back and forth, right. and uh, Bryce ended up with it. Right. <laughs> now, Jock had it for quite some time. Yeah. Talk about pioneers. Yeah. I just talked to Bry- uh, Bryce, to Jock, um, about two months ago in person. Really lovely to meet him. Yeah, and ask him about it, and of course he's telling stories. It's hard for me to meet someone who's older than me. <laughs> so meeting someone who's older than me is a real delight. And he he had to work at it. You had to change his shoes. He started off wearing hiking boots, and they realized he had to get a pair of sneakers, as he right. called them. And he really had to work at it. And he was thought to be a real nutcase, and people didn't like that he was doing it. He got criticism for doing oh, it. Oh, totally. Because um, that's not how you're supposed to climb a mountain. <laughs> right, right. But he, he was a good man. He's a good man. He uh, ended up living in Nova Scotia for a number of years and building boats. Now he's back over in Ogden outside of Park City. Oh, cool. Yeah. yeah. Price is down in St. George. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, it's definitely seems like there was a, a period of time there. I mean, it may correspond with some of the, you know, that was also the time when distance running in America was, in the U.S. was, was at its one of its peaks, I would say. Right. Um, so that's that's pretty pretty special time. Indeed. Well, you, you epic roots, Andy. Longs Peak, the Grand, and you had the FKT in Mount Whitney. I did for a little while. The Mountaineers while. route, which is, if I may say so, more interesting than the, the trail. The trail just takes forever. It's a I, long trail. I can't, I can't <laughs> handle the trail. <laughs> but what it is out west, they, they build them for stock animals. Right. Like in Long's Peak, that's what they're doing. The trail is really shallow switchbacks, particularly going up to the boulder field, because it's made for stock animals to get up there mm-hmm. and take tourists up and not actually efficient for people. And Whitney is like that as well. Yep. 
Yeah, the Mountaineers route is not that way. Right. I think the trail is what twelve miles, and the Mountaineers route is four. <laughs> um, so again, not necessarily easier, just significantly steeper. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't go fifth class. I think that's fourth class. It is it's third or fourth class somewhere in there. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's actually pretty easy to get off route and make it slightly harder. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's mostly third and fourth class mm-hmm. right there at the top. Mm-hmm. No, there's some some scrambling right when you start that route too. Right out of the uh, off the trailhead, you cruise out for a little bit, and then you hit this section of ledges that you have to gain to get onto a bench to get up to the lakes. And um, yeah, that was a bit of a surprise. You're like, oh, I thought the scrambling was at the top. Nope, it's right down here. I guess we'll do that too. <laughs> but that Sierra so, granite, that's great, sweet. Then the weather is. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's, it's not it's not the Rockies. No. You can, I remember a couple summers ago, um, after I'd stopped rangering, uh, my wife's parents were out and they were we we have a, a son and he was really young at the time and uh, and they were like, Well, we're gonna hang out with, with our grandson for the day and I was like, Great. Well, I guess maybe I'll go down to the east side and run up a mountain. And so I left my house in Truckee at like nine or ten in the morning, and drove down to a trailhead down on the east side by Mount Kness. And uh, I think I started at noon, which coming from Colorado, I was like, You oh, never God. would do that. You can never pull this <laughs> off. And I was like, This is great. And I ran up the mountain and came back in time for dinner. And I was like, Wow, this whole like no afternoon thunderstorms thing, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And there's almost no loose rock. It's yeah. so solid. It is much more solid than most other places I've been. But uh, every now and then people pull stuff off. I actually uh, <laughs> I recently broke my hip. Um, your pelvis or your hip? My uh, femur right where it connects to my hip. Oh. Um, bouldering down in Bishop this fall. And uh, I actually broke a hold off. Oh. And, like landed on a rock on my hip. Was it so, a high ball? No. No, I was about four feet off the ground. I was actually about one feet one foot off the start, but the start started on top of a boulder. So when I fell, I hit that boulder, then bounced off the other side of it and landed on another rock about Darn. four feet down. Ooh. Yeah. It hurt. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> I broke, fractured my pelvis. Uh, it's, it really hurts. It's, yeah. it's uncanny how much it hurts. Yeah, it's not. You use that stuff a lot. It's <laughs> <laughs> not comfortable. Right. Well, you well, I can't say unfortunately, but someone came and nabbed the Whitney FKT. This is true. Yeah, he. We had a. We were pretty close for the ascent times, and he just blew me away on the descent. I think he's like twenty minutes faster than me on the descent. Would I guess that he is younger than you? Um, I don't know. He's a. Uh, I'm not sure how old he is. I'm guessing probably younger, but he also was a uh, a really accomplished cyclist. So I think he's just used to really high speeds. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah. Okay. But, well, speaking of that, we are here in Truckee, California, which is a wonderful town, classic mountain town. You used to be a ranger, long speak, and you didn't know, also in the Grand. And you told me up in Rainier also. Yep. yep. But now in the winter, you're an avalanche forecaster. Yep. So you you're sticking with the outdoors. You're a mountain man. I like to I like to go up and down mountains. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's it's a good thing. And uh, I've been lucky enough to make my passion my career as well. And that's I feel pretty lucky, fortunate in that regard. And you 
teach classes? You instruct people? Do a I, little guiding? I do. I do some guiding in the summers now. Um, I teach some technical rescue classes. Um, yeah. And then I, I'm a lot of times in the summers right now, I've been a, a stay-at-home dad for the last few years um, and doing that other stuff on the side. Uh, and that's, that's also special. <laughs> nice. Excellent. So. Excellent. And I didn't know this. Somehow I did not know this. You were a co-founder of the Broken Arrow Sky Race. Yes. Um, I designed the course for the Broken Arrow Sky Race. My friend Brendan Madigan and Jeff Quine are the two race directors that started it initially. And then uh, Ethan Vinniclausen is also a race director now. Um, but I'm still, I still do the coursework for it mm-hmm. every year, which is, it's a good race. It's fun. It's a sky race. <laughs> it is. <laughs> I think, uh, last year, yeah, last year I had over 800 feet of fixed lines on it. Really? <laughs> yeah. You fixed eight, static, I imagine. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Cause it's, it was so snowy that we didn't have to use the trails we normally use that have switchbacks. So we just went straight up. <laughs> it's like, well, I'll put fixed lines in there. Interesting. So, Hard Rock has done that a little bit. Yep. Not very much. The Matterhorn, of course, they have permanently fixed lines. Yes. That's kind of an odd scene in my opinion, but that's the Euro style. Yep, totally. So let them go with that. Any other FKT action for you? You mentioned you were uh, a ranger up at Rainier, obviously. That's, uh, <laughs> that's a good one, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, that's one that I have uh, backed off several times. Mm. Um, mostly, it's funny, I am always think that it would be a good idea. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could totally do that. I know the route really well. I've been up there numerous times. I can't count. I've climbed Rainier a lot. And, but for me, the objective hazard is too much. You don't um, want to fall in a crevasse. Well, I don't want to take that chance of slipping and falling in a crevasse or the rock fall or mm-hmm. the ice fall that's inherent on that route. And uh, Talk about the disappointment cleaver. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or any of the routes up there. No, no. So, uh, you know, it's not... For me, I try to weigh those things. Um, I, I give serious weight to what I'm attempting. And... If it's something that's too, if it's hazards that I feel like I can't mitigate, then I don't do it. Um, and that's where Rainier falls for me. I probably won't ever try to do the FKT on Rainier. Um, certainly not solo. If I, maybe with a partner and a rope, um, but uh, yeah, maybe I'm also. I got a solo permit. You have to have yep. a permit. Yep. I got that. And then uh, a number of years after that, Peter and I established the Cascade Trifecta. Right. I fell in a crevasse. Yeah. And, but then it was like you said, you know, we were there, we're going to do it this day, and it snowed. I said, oh, man, this is bad. It's going to slow us way down. But they're there. What are you right. going to do? We're not going to go back. So we decided to do it anyway. So now the crevasses were little covered up. Yep. Yeah, they so get good. camouflaged. But this time I was not so. I was roped to Peter. And I plunked down in and fortunately didn't go very far. We knew crevasse rescue technique and got out. And yep. It just slowed us down because of the new snow. Right. But yeah, it's uh, Rainier's a little different. Yeah. If you come totally. from Colorado, you got these high elevations, relatively speaking, a little bit in Wyoming. But the big Pacific volcanoes, they got glaciers, which yes. are different. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> we always joked that Rainier is a pretty strenuous hike. 
until all of a sudden it becomes the most technical thing you've ever done because you're in the bottom of a caress. <laughs> you fell through a trap door. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, so it takes a lot of skill to be able to, to send one of those safely. And, um, not necessarily skill that you're going to use all the time. Most of the time you'll go up and down and have no instance, but when you do, you need to know how to, to deal with it quickly and efficiently and safely. Right. What do you think of the Rainier Infinity Loop? It's gotten a lot of attention. Suddenly, I thought it was a little odd, personally, but it got a lot of attention now. People are getting on that route. That's the, the ski route, right? Where... No, the Infinity Loop was Chad Kellogg's idea, where you go from Paradise, the Ranger Station, you go uh, uh, partway around, you go over the top. Right. And then you go the other way around, you go over the top again. Oh, I don't know about this route. Oh, if you go to the fastestknowntime.com website, you go into routes and type it in, and they call it infinity loop because once you cross over those two different ways, it looks like like an infinity symbol. Yeah. That's a a long couple days. (laughs) It is. Although, I don't know, maybe the DeRay brothers could do it on skis in less than a day. Who knows? Yeah, but then you got to do the Wonderland Trail. Yep. And then you got to carry your skis in the Wonderland Trail. Yep. There's uh, some friends of mine have been pioneering a circumnavigation of Rainier on skis where they can do it relatively quickly by gaining elevation. Then you just do these long traversing descents and then back up and down. So you just... They do it in June or May? Yep. Yeah, early season. Yeah. When there's still snow. And then the Cascade Trifecta, which is Rainier, Adams, and Hood. Yep. Jason Hardrath just uh, finally uh, broke our time on it. Did the second, yeah. the second time only, which surprises me because that's a really good route. And those are all really popular mountains too. Yeah, um, yeah, that is surprising. But you're a fast guy, so <laughs> it's not all that surprising. Formerly, <laughs> it took that long. What else is up for you, Andy? What do you? What's on the horizon here? Are you doing some ultra races as well? Yep. Yeah, I, I really enjoy. I've I've always really enjoyed like the marathon fifty k distances. Mm. So I have a lot of fun with those, and I've run those for a long time. Um, <laughs> right now, on the horizon is getting my hip better and yeah. and getting back to running. So yeah, sorry hopefully that'll that. happen this summer. Um, but it's it's going well. So, How about yeah. cycling? I I'm skiing now, and that's totally great. And so that's what I'm concentrating on at the moment. But uh, but yeah, I don't have any big plans for next summer yet. Got to get the hit back. Yeah, but it's coming back. Good. I asked them to put springs in there when they rebuilt it, but they didn't do that. <laughs> it's like, that could be great. <laughs> I'm all, I'm 20 years off my times. So. <laughs> Terrific. Well, thanks for ta- taking the time to share some of these stories. Yeah, no, it's really great to talk to you and really good to see you again, Buzz. Thanks very much. <laughs>